Whatever y'all did on the back-to-back -back in L.A., don't do it tonight. That team wasn't better than us. Be ready. It's easy. What you mean? Because I kind of had it going. Give me a chance to be great. I want to be great. Some people call those winning characteristics a group of hungry individuals. It ain't sweet. He can do everything. He's just nice. You trying to put the league on notice? excited because we got more to do so welcome to the inaugural episode of the wolves watch i am dan radke um and i'm here with my co-host ricky jim bruno rick are you out there i'm here perfect well it looks like we got one listener that's listening to us live at the moment um what I'll to do greg you... yeah thank you greg uh, just to give you a little background on what you are listening to, so this is an NBA podcast where we are going to closely follow the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Rick and I have hosted, for the better part of the last probably four seasons, we've hosted a podcast called The Tough Watch, which covered uh, the teams that fell into the bottom half uh, of the league in the NBA. And we grew up Wolves fans, so we decided that we should, we spent a lot of time on that podcast talking about the Wolves naturally. And so we decided to just spin it off and to have a Wolves-centric podcast that we are going to release on a weekly basis. So that's what you are listening to here. And for any uh, anybody following us over from the Tough Watch, we appreciate it. It's going to be a lot of what you were used to hearing from Rick and I. It's just going to be, you know, finally tailored specifically to the Timberwolves with a little less focus on, on league-wide news, although we will cover that a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to put it. And I think we are attempting to fill a couple niches here, which is that uh, the Timberwolves are a very well-covered team uh, from a lot of different angles. There's a lot of really good um, beat writers that cover the team and produce a lot of content written and in podcast form. There's a really robust fan community. There's a really robust uh, blogosphere involving the Timberwolves. And uh, what we're trying to fill in is, first of all, be on this call-in app so that we could hopefully create a community of NBA fans, Timberwolves fans that just want to engage with us while we have our weekly conversation, but also um, fill the, the niche of kind of an informed fan perspective. Dan and I are both in our 30s, and um, although we are lifelong fans, definitely have homerific takes. You know, this is not kind of one of those internet-y, LOL, isn't the internet, uh, the NBA so cool type of podcast. You know, Dan and I, although we have regular jobs, families, all sorts of responsibilities, um, you know, we pay really close attention to the league, and uh, it's it's our primary hobby for both of us. And so, you know, we're hoping to create a community here of, of people that, just want to talk hoop, want to talk about the Wolves, uh, and do so in a slightly elevated fashion. Yes, that was put really well. And again, our reps, we kind of cut our teeth, uh, like I mentioned, on that Tough Watch podcast. So Rick and I have done this for quite some time. We've talked to each other. We've been on those podcasts together the entire time. So we, we co-hosted that, that uh, show, and then we will obviously be co-hosting this show. Um, but the other thing we found is it is difficult for Rick and I, given our stage of life and responsibilities in life, to cover a league that has 30 teams in it. Even when we were trying to focus our attention on, you know, 15 teams, it was just a lot to chew on. And so, you know, tailoring this podcast specifically to the Wolves will allow us 
you know, additional time to put into the team that we follow most closely anyway, but also, you know, the community we wanted to create and Colin is going to be a great opportunity for us to do that. It makes sense for us to have a community of, you know, NBA fans, like you mentioned, high, you know, where we kind of operate at a slightly higher level in terms of what we like to talk about uh, with the league, but more importantly, other fellow Timberwolves fans, that's what we would like to, the types of people we would like to find this because uh, we'd like to have some discussions, some post-game discussions, end-of-week discussions, you know, get a feel for how other fans feel about the team as the season progresses, where we think the holes are, what needs to be done transactionally. So it's just a really good opportunity for us to get a lot of people uh, like-minded people together in on that conversation. That's usually just yeah. Rick and I. Yep, and you can count on us to post on most Sundays during the season. And like Dan said, there could be an occasional post-game pod, random pod here and there, but typically we've recorded on Sundays. And yeah, we've just, the, the Timberwolves, here's the thing, is despite our busy schedules, despite getting older and all of that, we both continue to watch every single Timberwolves game. So it's something that we can definitely speak with some authority on and also feel confident that every Sunday we have a good, you know, we have a good grasp of where the team is and where the team is heading. Yep. And, you know, I do want to mention to people that are new to listening to Rick and I talk hoops. Um, you know, for instance, we have October 4th is the first preseason game. October 19th is the first regular season game. So we still have, you know, five, six, seven weeks to kill here. And so Rick and I in the offseason would always do podcasts where we covered more league-wide topics. So starting this upcoming week, you know, we're really just putting this out as a teaser. Um, you know, so we have something on the feed. We can explain what we're here to do. But next week, for example, we're going to uh, we're going to do a podcast we've done now. I think it's two or three years in a row now um, where we kind of rank the top 25 players from the last three drafts, uh, not including the rookies that haven't played in the league yet. So that'd be 19, 20, and 21 classes. So we're going to do that next Sunday. So there's going to be an opportunity for anybody that's listening to this. If you're, if you want to get in on a conversation, that's pretty wide ranging and is going to cover a lot of guys and is going to cover a lot of teams. Uh, that's a good opportunity to do so before we get into kind of the meat of the season where the wolves will definitely dominate uh, this feed. Yeah, and it's I would love to have some people chime in on that one because Dan and I um I think we have some hits there, but in in an effort to try to like not have it be such a boring conversation, you know, we'll definitely take some swings and so there's de- there's a big opportunity for anybody to come in and dunk on us for our uh takes that will almost certainly be bad. Um, I'd like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take, you know, I'll take a little heat here from myself that in the first year we did it, I did not have Luka Doncic number one. It was a mistake. It was stupid. <laughs> I shouldn't have done it. I, I will not say who was ahead of Luka. It just doesn't, you know, it's just, but that's doesn't the kind really of shit matter. You're gonna, it doesn't matter. But this, that's yeah. the kind of shit you're going to get from us is, because Dan and I don't do this professionally, our livelihood isn't based on it. Frankly, I don't really care if we're wrong about stuff. Is It's really off the cuff. Um, and it is, to to borrow a term from a Timberwolves reporter, Kyle Teige, it is fanalytics um, where, you know, we're, we're just, we're just kind of riffing and going with what we feel. Um, and generally that is you know, a little bit left of 
what the consensus is on a lot of topics because we just, you know, why, what's the point of anybody listening to two random dudes talk about basketball if we're just going to have the same takes that everybody else has? That's exactly right. And that's, that's why we've been doing this now for so many years is Rick and I have talked basketball together on and off Mike, you know, since we were probably 18 years old um, and we started the podcast, the tough watch podcast, um, wanting to get some of these thoughts and opinions and kind of our general outlook on, on the direction the league was going or teams and players were going. We just wanted to have it out there um, early on. It was just for you and I, I remember us talking about just wanting it out. So we had record of it, even if nobody gave it a listen. Uh, this is a little different. Um, we feel like we've kind of got our sea legs under us when it comes to podcasting and putting a show out. And, uh, and we really wanted to kind of grow this and Colin was a perfect opportunity to do it. And, and we see this being a really good, good chance to, to speak to some other people and get a more lively discussion going, which like Rick mentioned, I mean, there may not be a huge appetite to listen to two fans talk about one specific NBA team, but Colin gives us all the opportunity to speak you know, together and to ask questions and kind of go through things, um, in a more communal and, uh, a more communal way. And so I think it's going to be, it's going to be a really good feed for, for a lot of reasons for us. Yeah. And for, for those of you that are just listening on whatever platform you get your podcast on, it's, it's going to listen, I think in a, in the same manner that all of our podcasts were before. And hopefully this, the Colin aspect of it is purely additive, which is, you know, hey, there's nobody in our room right now. Even if nobody ever shows up in our room and it's just us recording a podcast live, that's great. The additive component being that if somebody ever wants to chime in and either speak or just uh, ask us questions or comment on what we're talking about via the comments, it just adds another element for us where, um, you know, we can engage with people or engage in ideas that we weren't considering at that time. So, Hopefully this is a purely additive thing. Uh, we hope that, you know, whether you are with us right now live or you're listening to this at a later time, it, it's all good either way. Yes. And and I think I speak for, for Rick and I both in saying we're very excited to start this. Um, you know, Rick kind of uncovered this opportunity a while back and we've been kicking it around. Um, I'm very happy that we have it started. Um, and that we can get out and, and start doing some of these, some of these episodes. Um, Rick, before we go, cause we're going to keep this pretty brief. Like I said, we didn't have a whole lot planned. This was going to be just an intro episode where we could kind of get used to the format here a little bit. Do you have any Wolves topics that you would like to discuss as we inch closer to the start of the season here? Yeah, I do. I think the, the thing that I think is the most interesting to talk about and it's the most novel concept at this time is the wolves shifting from being an incompetent organization to a competent one and shifting the way that they are building their roster from that of a rebuilding retooling team to this summer uh, going all in and you know, obviously that starts with the Rudy Gobert acquisition, but I think that the other moves that they made, minimum signings that they made, there's a lot of interesting stuff there too where that kind of tips tips the hat of what the front office is trying to do and the organization is trying to do and just the different place the team is in now that they spent one season in this range in the Jimmy Butler season, but 
short of that, we haven't been in this place since 2003-2004 season. Yeah, I, I'm i glad you started there. I, I've been trying to, I think I might have I've mentioned this to you off, off mic before, but I've talked to a lot of Timberwolves fans this offseason because this Gobert trade was, I mean, it was just a huge league-wide story, and it's so out of character for what, what the Timberwolves have historically done in their offseasons that it kind of shook some some Timberwolves fans up quite a bit, and, and everybody kind of had their own opinion on it. And I think what I would say to any Wolves fan, this is at least how I've seen it, is whether it be the Gobert trade and the price that we had to pay, or whether it be... Um, you know, D'Angelo Russell or the cat extension, whatever it is, there's a certain amount of trust that uh, needs to be given, in my opinion, to this regime, both this front office and Chris Finch and his staff. And that's why a lot of these moves, you know, it panics a lot of fans because historically, you know, you shouldn't give your trust to the Timberwolves because they've burned, you know, they've kind of burned that bridge with their fans. But I think things are so different with this new regime that, the the trust that I have in the group that's that's there, both in the front office and the coaching staff, is why I'm so high on that Gobert trade and why I wasn't as um, concerned with the number on Cat and uh, and concerned with the fact that D'Lo is going to be returning and we couldn't find a you know a trade partner or a way to 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 retool that position. Long story short, I just think this is more competency than we've ever seen, and so we need to kind of shift the way that we historically have dealt with with this Timberwolves organization and understand that with an increased trust and an increased responsibility becomes some of these bigger swings. And if you truly trust who you have, you should trust that it's going to work out. Yeah, and I think they they pointed in this direction too with signing Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers, Eric Pascal, uh We've talked we talked about this a lot on the Tough Watch Pod. One of the most challenging things about not being in contention is that it greatly limits the pool of players that um, it's smart to go after on your roster. But when you're in contention, the the pool of players is wide open because instead of having to think of all of your roster spots as darts to be thrown at a dartboard in an attempt to find a guy off the scrap heap, find a cheap contributor, find somebody that can be a part of your quote-unquote next great team, you're just adding players that are part of your great team currently. And so in the past, it you know, the Timberwolves have never really added free agents like guys like Austin Rivers, which is a hilarious thing to say because, you know, Austin Rivers at this point is, you know, he's a 10-year vet, he topped out in the NBA as a, probably an average to below average starter. And that was not, you know, that was not in the recent past. So this is really an end of bench type of guy, but he's illustrative of the fact that they don't need to use that roster spot to acquire, to harken back to when we began this rebuild around cat after the Jimmy Butler situation blew up. We, in that offseason, and I believe shrewdly so, you know, looked at free agents like Jordan Bell, Noah Vonley, Jake Lehman, um, and the reason for that is those were guys that could have potentially been a part of the next great Wolves team. They were, had some pedigree in terms of uh, Noah Vonley was a high draft pick. 
Jake Lehman was a guy they discovered off of Portland, and Jordan Bell had some success on those Kevin Durant Warriors teams. And so when you're in that rebuilding position, you are looking for guys that are probably under the age of 25, just to pull a random number, but young, young players and guys that um, are you know, probably just getting an opportunity with you because of that youth, and maybe they'll prove to be, you know, good NBA players. But the thing is, is when you're contending, and this this is, you know, to make a very obvious point, but it's it's a novelty here in the Twin Cities, is when you're contending, you don't have to make those considerations. You just say, we can, let's acquire the best player with the financial resources that we have that is interested in signing with us. And it starts and stops there instead of having to, you are, that is, that is already a narrowing um, that already narrows your search having to do that. But then to have to narrow it even further down to like, this guy has to be of a certain age. They have to have a certain skill set. blah, blah, blah. Um, It's a big change. Yeah, no. And I think, you know, you and I talked a lot about that last year. In, you know, as we went into the offseason, we joked about the fact that, you know, you and I probably in our adult lives at least had never seen a Timberwolves team that could could build in this way, which is you get to go out and you get to make, you know, these kind of savvy moves on the fringes, these shorter term deals with kind of more proven guys. Um, That's really I mean, you only get that opportunity if you're a team that's considered to be, you know, in contention to a certain degree. So, um Another thing that I wanted to mention here real quick before we got off, because obviously we haven't, we're not going to get into the obvious. It's, it's long after the go and everything like that to really deep dive into that much. But um, I think we can dip our toes in. I don't think we need yeah. to deep dive, but we can certainly dip our toes in. Yeah, well, and that's what I wanted to say about the word trust, which was, um, you know, the national media and certain members of the national media really used the Timberwolves as a punching bag after that Gobert trade. And it was really twofold. It was the price you know, that they had to pay to get them, which was obviously obscenely high, uh, but that's the cost of doing business. And then there was the the multi-center uh, piece of it, which is you already have Carl Anthony Towns, who was a, you know, a third, he was battling Gobert for a third team, uh, all-NBA center, and uh, ended up taking it over him. And now you're pairing these guys in the same front court. And I just want to go on record to say that since day one of the trade, when the shock wore off and you and I were on the phone talking to one another, you know, I'll speak for myself, but both of us were in lockstep on this. I've been in support of this trade since the day that it happened, and I cannot wait to see what Chris Finch is going to be able to unlock, both with Gobert and and Kat. Um, and I have full faith and confidence that as soon as the season starts and we get to see this kind of fully formed on the basketball court, that we're going to be blown away by it. Yeah, the, the thing that should be a tell is that most people that watch the Wolves closely – don't think that putting Cat next to a center is a stretch. And in fact, it's been something that you and I have been clamoring for for several seasons. And it really comes down to the simple idea that what Carl does really well is things that are not traditionally, you know, center's responsibilities. And there's a lot of positives to that on both sides of the ball, frankly. I mean, he's he's more mobile than a lot of centers defensively. He excels at getting out on the floor, as evidenced by the Wolves playing a trapping defense last year. And obviously, offensively, he's arguably the best shooting center in the history of the, the league. 
The, the part that gets missed a lot, though, is that the responsibilities that a center has, although not glamorous, they're still necessary. And so Cat does not excel at those areas of the game. And so oftentimes the Wolves with Carl Towns at center would just be in a place where we didn't have those very elemental aspects of your team on the court and would need to fill them in in ways that didn't make um, that didn't make the team whole and actually made the team worse than the sum of their parts. And so to actually have somebody next to Cat that excels at defending the rim, defensive rebounding, and setting screens, specifically setting screens, um, I think it's going to open up the offense and the defense in a way that people are going to be very surprised by. Because I think there's this idea that the greatest thing you could have offensively is the stretch center because now we can play five out and and uh, we are going to have a wide open lane. And that is true. That is true. That is a great thing to have. But that also relies on you having multiple guys on the floor that are able to break that first line of defense without a screen. And... <laughs> um that's that's all good and well, but it's you know the easiest way to get your offense going. It's the reason why it's the most elemental, fundamental play in the game is to have somebody that can set a really good screen. And you and I found ourselves yep. when we'd play teams with not even exceptionally great. I'll take my point back. Um, sorry, guys, we had a little trouble with the app there. But um, the point I was making, and I apologize if I'm repeating for anybody that uh, already heard this part. I'm not really sure where my mic cut off, but Dan and I would watch the Wolves play teams that aren't even exceptionally good. I remember last year we played the Wizards early in the season and they demolished the Timberwolves with Daniel Gafford and Trez Harrell just setting hard picks and rolling to the basket. And we just sitting there being like, God, it'd be great to have a real center on the team. And the 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 problem then with having Cat as your full-time center is you're asking him to be the unicorn that he is because, of course, that's how you take advantage of his unique skills. But you're also, in previous years when they play a drop coverage, you'd also be asking him to defend the rim, which he's bad at, or on offense, asking him to set screens, which he's bad at. And so this hopefully will, I think the theory of it is it frees up Carl to do all of the things he's excellent at and do less of the things he's not great at. And then Gobert, what he is great at is he's such an additive on both ends of the ball that you can create really great offense without even involving Cat in the direct action. Yeah, and I want to piggyback on that, Rick, because the one part of this that I'm not, we're not going to really get into here is the cost, uh, the transactional cost of, of acquiring Gobert. Yeah. I'm not really not interested in talking about that. So the basketball side of it, I've heard this argument from, from other Wolves fans, and it, it's kind of ironic to me because if you're a Timberwolves fan, you've watched Cat since he came into the league. So there's this belief that, well, it's still not perfect, even though you have Gobert. You're right that he's a better traditional center, but, like, Cat's not really a four. Yeah. And it's like, well, what would you prefer we do with Cat then? Would you rather us 
cross our fingers that he turns into a five, like his play style turns into something more resembling a traditional center, which we've now watched since he came into the league because he's always been our center. Or would you rather roll the dice that you try and uh, shift, you know, his role on the team to that of more of a traditional power forward? I would argue you've already seen it for seven years. What happens if you want to try and shoehorn him into the center position? Like, I would rather us take a gamble and see what what moving him to the four looks like. I just think it's a better use of his talent. Well, I agree. And it's like, how many how many times are we going to do the same thing over and over before we call ourselves insane? Because... Like That's Dan exactly said, we right. had seven seasons of of Cat building the team a lot of different ways, and I think the most obvious way to do it, they did. That was Gerson Rosas's first plan: is we're going to wow, we have this great shooting center. That means we could have five great shooters on the floor at all times. No one's going to be able to guard us. Isn't this going to be amazing? And what we saw is that that is not a recipe for winning basketball. And I'm so happy that. The Tim, Con- I mean, I think it's really telling that Tim Connolly in his first move as like his first big move as the executive of the team, having been the rival GM and played Cat in the Timberwolves four times per season um, for Cat's entire career, that his first uh, move was to be like, Cat is not, we can't, we're never going to be able to build a good enough defense to be a serious contender. Ergo, if we're ever going to be a serious contender while Carl Towns is on the team, we need to try to have an elite defensive center next to him. And yes. And we'll see what happens. I mean, that at the end of the day, what else is there really to do when you're building a team other than to do what you believe is give yourself the best chance to succeed and then let the chips fall where they do. And so I think it's a very price tag aside. It's a very, it was a very astute and frankly obvious observation. If you had, if you'd been paying close attention, which obviously Tim Connolly being another executive in the league, but also one in the same division was acutely aware of what you and I were aware of, which is we, we will not ever be able to build a championship team with Carl Towns at the center. And so we need to come up with another way of approaching this, or we need to go full teardown, which was, which would have been a bad option. <laughs> it would have been a terrible option given the rest of the roster and where we were at the history of the franchise, blah, blah, blah. And so I think they did what they needed to do. The only argument I'm willing to hear about is that potentially they could have acquired a lesser version of Rudy Gobert and I'm not going to sit here and try to pull names out, but they could have tried to acquire a player lesser than Rudy Gobert and not given up those assets. That's fine. We don't know what was available to them. We may never know what was available to them. I am personally happy having watched this team for my entire life that they went and just got the best guy. Instead of trying to find the nickel store Rudy Gobert, they just got Rudy Gobert. And so as a fan of the team and somebody that wants to see them do well, I'm very excited to watch and cheer for a team that is actually being honest with where they're at and going for it in an appropriate manner. Absolutely right. And I will say this, you you mentioned wanting to just see the team get 
Rudy Gobert, not the discounted version. I will say this on that point. It's if you have Garland Anthony Towns and for, for fans of teams that are in historically smaller markets, um, you know, and smaller markets that have, have historically put up a really bad product, you don't get beggars can't be choosers. So no. like if you're if you're lucky enough to get Carl Anthony Towns through the draft, like sure, do you wish maybe that your best player that you had found was a wing? Sure. Do you wish that player was Luka Doncic? Sure. But you got Carl Anthony Towns, which if you're Minnesota is about as good as it gets. Oh, and by the way, he wants to stay in Minnesota. And oh, and by the way, you can pay him more than anybody. So you can keep him in Minnesota. So again, like all of these fans that want to pile on the idea that, you know, Cat being imperfect is a huge impediment. So why are we doubling down and trying to build around it? It's like, well, the alternative is you do what Washington's done with Bradley Beal for the most part, which is you find this guy, he's imperfect. He's not what you would hope you get as a one. But instead of just going all in and trying to build something around that, they've kind of dipped their toes in both pools where they're like, well, we're going to pay him and retain him, but we're also not going to go all in at any point to try and build a winner. And I think that's that's what the Timberwolves have at least avoided in this trade. And I think, you know, honestly, I, I shouldn't give Tim Conley a, too much credit. It's a lot easier when you have Anthony Edwards on the team. <laughs> well, He's it's saying, a lot. Yeah, it's it's incredibly easy when you have somebody that's that's outperforming their salary in such a humongous way. And so but yes. but the part that is exciting to me about what this could mean for the future of the team is that his contract situation is obviously a ticking time bomb and when he triples his salary or quadruples his salary on his next deal, the team is going to be very expensive. And so to even make this move it implies that the team is going to spend money in a way that you wouldn't expect the Timberwolves to. And so that's really encouraging as a fan uh, because we've just gotten to a place in the NBA where like, you really can't be a title contender without being in the tax and perhaps not deep in the tax. And so I think that's very encouraging for the team. And, you know, to say this about Gobert and we'll talk more about, why we like the fit in future pods. And certainly that's going to be, I mean, I think that's probably the number one storyline for the team this season is what does the team look like? I I just wish there were people that would actually talk about it in terms of what does this mean for basketball? Because I feel like we're at about a thousand to one ratio of LOL draft picks to actual conversation about, what what the team is going to look like and why it's exciting or not exciting for this to happen. And so, like, if anybody could just talk about the basketball of it, that would be fucking great. <laughs> Instead of just being like, that's a lot of unprotected picks. It is. I, it's a lot yeah. of unprotected picks. Understood. We got it. Yeah. No, the price doesn't change. And that's why I'm kind of done talking about it in general. It's like, okay, it's over and it's happened. So now we move on. And and I think, and for our listeners, Rick will get into this throughout the season. And I don't want to try and do a poor man's version of what his uh, draft you know, pick his, philosophy is. Yeah, his draft pick philosophy is. But he's been on top of this, you know, not to toot your horn, but he has been on top of this now for the better part of probably 18 to 24 months, seeing out in front of the guys that were coming in the pipeline 
the guys who were, you know, juniors and seniors in high school or, or were going to be one and done freshman players in college. And just seeing that there was a trend of a certain body type that was becoming predominant um, amongst this, these classes and seeing that size was going to was really going to take over again, like skilled size, but size was going to take over again. And I think the GMs that are a little more forward thinking are now, and I think the Timberwolves are a good example, like Rudy Gobert being available, he's a good enough player to warrant the trade regardless. But a forward thinking GM like uh, Conley is one of those guys that's going to plan plan ahead of something that may not have happened yet. And I think him bringing in Rudy Gobert with the plans of having a cat in Rudy Gobert front court probably tells you that what you've been bringing up, Rick, is probably coming sooner rather than later, maybe even this upcoming season. Well, and that is, to me, is the is the argument that if you want to take the most optimistic possible viewpoint, which I'm which I've flirted with, um, <laughs> the te- <laughs> the next team that emerges in the league is is a team that nobody knows who it is or what what their style is, and the idea that it's just we're just going to perpetually win the championship in the same manner just flies in the face of the history of sport. (laughs) Yes. And so if it's not this, it's going to be something else that doesn't exist, you know, and that's, and I think the warriors were just like the most illustrative of this, which is they didn't, they did come out of nowhere, but they also didn't come out of nowhere as in the team at was assembled, um, for a number of seasons before they became the Warriors. And so you really, and, and credit to Ethan Strauss, Ethan Strauss actually predicted that they would win the championship in Steve Kerr's first season. I'm assuming being the only person with any sort of platform that would have done that um, because he was close enough to the situation to know that something was happening and there was a sea change happening. And so do I think that, building your team in this manner would have been a great way to go about winning the 2018 NBA title. No, I don't because of the players that were in the league at that time. But, you know, you tell me, anyone tell me, like, what is the next thing? Who, like, what team is going to be the next thing and what style of play? What's the great inefficiency? And if you're, you're right, Dan, you look at all the teams what are all the teams doing that you would consider to be smart and up and coming? They're all loading up on size. And, yes. uh, you know, the best case scenario to Dan's point um, a few minutes ago is, yeah, you get a lot of big wings. That'd be the greatest thing. And that's what Toronto is attempting to do. So maybe Toronto will be the next team. Maybe Scotty Burns will be so good that he will be the star that lifts them up. And it is about having basically like five power forward size guys on the court. That could be it. Oklahoma City, and it's a fucking tragedy that Chet's not going to play this season because you and I think that what Oklahoma City clearly believes what we believe, which is the the future is five five tall guys that can do everything. And so we'll we'll just have to see how this plays out. But, you know, clearly something is changing, and (laughs) just – yeah, what Dan said about like these drafts. Just look at who who gets drafted in the, at the top of the draft, and that's all you need to know about where the league is going to go. Yeah, and that's that's part of why I think too that this trade for the Timberwolves, this Gobert addition, is going to age really well because whether it was intentional or not, 
you and I believe that it will become a league where the best teams in it, the teams you have to go through every year, are just going to hit you with size constantly, skilled size. And it is going to, in those situations, be an advantage to have a couple seven-footers that you think are competent. And it's going to be an advantage to have a two-guard that is as big and physical as, as Anthony Edwards is. Yeah, so, Anthony Edwards' size. Yeah, and so, like, all the and – and, you know, to be honest, like, that's the other reason why I think the Timberwolves, whether, again, it was all intentional or whether, you know, they got some luck to, to end up with the roster that they built. Like, most of their roster kind of fits what you have been calling for now for the better part of the last couple of years, which is, like, outside of D'Angelo Russell, you see a lot of guys that are just very physically imposing. You know, it may be height, and, it, like, in the case of Jaden, it's it's height, but no – you know, he doesn't hasn't put on his man frame yet, but still like a very long guy, long and rangy and skilled. And so it is interesting to see the Timberwolves kind of building this out because, I mean, you mentioned who's it going to be like, I don't know, man, like the Timberwolves could wake up if if Chris Finch is the guy and Anthony Edwards is the guy the way that we believe both of them to be. It's like this team could end up being, you know, the new size powerhouse, you know, to get through. Um it's just going to be really crazy. And I think we're one of the few teams built for what the, the next five or six years of the league is going to look like. I, I agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, it all starts and finishes with Anthony Edwards. That's the ceiling of the team um, is where, where Ant can get and how soon he can get there. Because I mean, Dan and I, for the new listeners of the program, Dan and I believe that Anthony Edwards can and will become the best, you know, among the best players in the NBA, possibly the best player in the NBA, if things fall a certain way. And if if you believe that, you look at where he's at in his career and the caliber of players that are around him, and there are just not any other young players that are as well positioned with players that are ready to win right now. And so like, this is not, I, I feel like if you just, I mean, to say the least, if you swapped out Luca with Anthony Edwards, we would be talking about them as the title favorite. No doubt about it. Perhaps that'd even be the case if Trey young was there. Perhaps that would even be the case if John Morant was there and you just go down the line and so if you believe that Ant is who we believe he is, then it's only logical to believe that the team is on the precipice of being a genuine contender. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Which is why this is, you know, to circle it back to the very beginning of this this episode here was, that's why we're so excited to get this kicked off. That's why we're so excited to do it with this team and to start it with this particular season. Uh, you and I both are very bullish on the direction of the team and what this season could mean, you know, for us as fans and for the team and organization. Uh, do you have anything else, Rick? I mean, we've been going about 40 minutes. Uh, anything else you wanted to touch on before we, we wrap? No, I think this is just a great way to give the, give the fans a taste of what the pod is all about and uh, for us to get our sea legs under us a little bit. Next week, as Dan said, we'll, we'll, we don't know. I mean, maybe it'll be just one pod. Maybe it'll be multiple pods. But we'll we'll begin our series on the young players in the league, uh, top 25 guys from the last three drafts. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of wing it as we get closer to the season. And then, uh, obviously, to say the least, I'm very excited for the season to start and for us to be able to talk about some real NBA games. 
Yes. And it'll be like Rick mentioned, we'll be freewheeling uh, between now and the start of the season, uh, playing around with some stuff, format and topics and whatnot. Uh, so we're ready to go for the season to start. But for anybody that listens to this live, who joins us in the chat, who calls in um, or listens to us after the fact, um, we sincerely appreciate you being involved. Um, we hope you continue to come back. We hope that uh, you can provide us some feedback on some things that you'd like to see or hear from us. Uh, but we really do appreciate anybody that is out there listening and and we hope to grow grow the community here as the season progresses, hopefully towards the Timberwolves championship. So Yeah, and here's the thing is we hope hope is the operative word because we're doing it anyway. This is the thing, guys. <laughs> there's no there's nobody in our call in room right now. Well, you 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 got us anyway. We're doing it anyway. So Hop on board. Like, how's that for a sales pitch? We're going to fucking do it anyway, so hop on board. <laughs> well put. Well put. All right, Rick. Well, I look forward to talking to you here uh, next week. Thanks for the time, man. Take care. Whatever y'all did on a back-to-back in L.A., don't do it tonight. That team wasn't better than us. Be ready. It's easy. What you mean? Because I kind of had it going. Give me a chance to be great. I want to be great. Some people call those winning characteristics a group of hungry individuals. It ain't sweet. He can do everything. It's just nice. You trying to put the league on notice? You can tell I'm not that excited because we got more to do, so.